Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome to episode number 233 of Linux in the Ham Shack. We've been gone almost a month because Bill decided he had to take his wife to Europe, and that kind of screwed everybody over. But yeah, because I'm, okay. I'm not geeky enough to participate in the podcast. <laughs> no, we all needed some time off anyway, so that worked out well for everybody. But we're back again, and we're going to do episode number 233. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. So we're going to kick things back off with our short format type show. So we're going to do a few segments, uh, some amateur radio stuff, some open source stuff, some topics which combine both of those things. Then we're going to do a social media roundup and uh, go on our merry gentleman and gentle lady ways. So uh, we can uh, take a quick look in the chat room here because we have uh, a new person in the chat room tonight who has, uh, for the first time, joined us, and that's Emil, K-E-5-Q-K-R. And uh, did I get that he's from Amateur Logic TV? Is that right? Yes. All right. Excellent. So we have an Amateur Logic TV host listening to us tonight. Very cool. We also have Dave, KB0OWD, Don, KB2YSI, and Don, KC9ZMY. And if anybody else shows up during the course of the show, we'll, of course, mention them, too. We thank everybody who decides to listen to us and chat with us live while we're doing this. So, Cheryl, do you want to uh, do this first story since you say you don't uh, participate in the show? I didn't say that. <laughs> you said you weren't good enough to be part of the podcast. I'm not geeky enough. Oh, geeky enough. Okay. That's what I said. Well, you're certainly geeky enough to read these stories. So I don't know that I know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a community college right up the road that can probably help you with that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Or you can just talk to Gary. He knows how to read. Does he? That's what he says. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, okay. we're doing some amateur radio topics. So Cheryl's going to give us the first one. All righty then. Uh, first topic is now that field day's in the bag, think about WRTC. The WRTC 2018 Activity Program, which runs the weekend as runs the same weekend, I believe, yes, <laughs> as the IARUHF Championship, was installed to not only be uh, not only to create big pileups for the WRTC stations during the WRTC 2018, which is July 14th and 15th, 2018, in Germany. Uh, we also want to honor your effort to make these pileups possible. By sending in your log shortly after the competition, you help us to do the best possible log checking amongst the WRTC competitors. We hope to create an interesting competition that provides fun for all. All right. Yeah. Very good. And uh, what is WRTC for those who don't know, since Bill didn't want to define the acronym? I don't know. World Radio something. <laughs> <laughs> Team competition. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. Uh, yeah. So basically, it's, uh, it's a bunch of... Uh, two-man groups 
I should have looked this up more. Aren't they uh, in, are, are, the two man group? Isn't that Vegas? Yeah, yeah, the two man group. Yeah, oh, okay. That's exactly yeah. what. <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 stations are sixty three stations that'll be participating in as WRTC. So this is like their big competition, where like every team has the same amount of uh same amount of equipment, same amount of people, which I think is two, and uh, they can only run a hundred watts. And uh, they don't know what call sign they're going to be until the day of the contest or like a few minutes before the contest. So it's kind of interesting for them. And uh, um, one of our uh, our uh, our president of our, our club out here, um, Pat Barkey, is an uh, NRV, and uh, he also used to be the uh, QST, uh, not QST editor. I'm thinking what was the National Contest Journal editor? Um, yeah, he's one of the he's one of the uh, competitors as well. This year, he was just telling us that. Uh, yeah, he's getting ready to head out over there and kind of gave us a, a little bit of the information and stuff like that for the WRTC. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is a big, big deal. And, uh, that's, that's why they're, they really want people to turn in their logs as soon as possible so they can score these teams. And I believe there's also some stuff that they'll be giving out or collectors or certificates or something like that uh, for a response on working as many of these guys as possible. So I have the information on it. It's the World Radio Sport Team Championship. It's an invitation-only event in which the world's elite contesters compete against one another using amateur radio stations that are in one specific geographic area of the world and are equipped with similar antennas and operating restrictions. Uh, it's organized by a standing committee of internationally recognized contesters and a host organization in the locality where the competition will be held. The closest thing to a world championship and the sport of contesting. Contesting is now a sport, and who are these elite contesters? How does one become an elite, elite contester? contester? I don't know. This is a wiki article talking about. But if you won field day, you're an elite contester. <laughs> Apparently, it only happens every four years. Oh, so yeah. it's like the Olympics of contesting. Yeah, because yeah. it's yeah, it talks about you know like it started in 1990. The next one was in apparently 96, then 2000, 2002. 2006 uh 2014 so apparently oh 2010 excuse me 2014 and 2018 will be held in germany well i've been in the united states once twice excuse me 2014 it was in massachusetts and the first one was in seattle so um oh no and then there was one in san francisco one in slovenia one in helsinki one in brazil one in moscow so so it really is like the Olympics. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the... Uh, I want to meet an elite contester. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you have to place in a certain uh, certain level in some of these contests that are big, like the CQ Worldwide DX, CW, CSSB, the, the prefix contest, the IARU HF Championship. They have uh, different values of scores, point values that will be considered... And uh, yeah, there are 32 events. The number of qualifying events varies based upon the geography, blah, blah, blah. Uh, new qualifying contests, of course, are this contest, the WRTC 2018. And they must use up to 12 published scores from the above contest to calculate their qualifying score. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a lot of math. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, the wiki says that uh, it's in some years, selection has been entirely at the discretion of the organizing committee. Uh, which is ride, relied upon past contest results of individuals who applied for inclusion. In other years, selections have been delegated to national radio societies or major contest clubs, 
which voted uh, voted on the contesters that they wanted to represent them. It's generally structured to ensure a certain number of contesters from each part of the world and a certain number from specific countries will be invited. Uh, they're not sponsored and must pay their own travel and lodging expenses. Um, each team of two um, it's held on the second weekend of July. A random draw is done to assign each team to a particular station, referee, and call sign. Teams are generally allowed to bring their own transceivers, headphones, microphones, telegraph keys, and logging software. They're required to use the antennas provided for them at their station. Um, they have to follow the rules. There's additional instruction or restrictions. Um, and apparently the scoring formula changes from time to time. Um, and I on, think that's enough about that. Yeah, yeah. Like because yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, well, no, it's kind of cool though. So. Unless you're one of these elite contesters, you don't care. <laughs> no, it is cool though. Yeah. So, yeah. and we just had somebody else join the chat room. Ke five WMA Paul. Uh, Paul Ke five WMA. He's now with us. Very cool. All right, so let's move on from contesting to our next uh, topic in the amateur radio world, and that is the RBN Reverse Beacon Network is spotting FT8 signals. Uh, KB6NU reports on his blog that the Reverse Beacon Network has started experimenting with spotting FT8. Their results are yet another indication of how FT8 is taking over HF. Uh, interesting stats for May of this year, uh, 4,370 CW. That was one day in May, May 24th. May 24th. All right. Sorry. Uh, May 24th. Yes. 4,370 CW contacts uh, or stations, 46 RIDI, and 29,298 FT8. Yeah. So uh, craziness. FT8 is definitely the digital mode of choice. So Yeah. With so many stations, even just listening, you know, the, the propagation information that it gives back is uh is pretty uh pretty significant i think yeah even when i was using whisper like if you if you did uh every station that was using whisper and just looking at the map of uh you know beacon reporting uh that that map was uh pretty cluttered but i can just imagine how ridiculous the ft8 map is <laughs> <laughs> so all right very good more more uh information about how ft8 is just like the only thing anyone's ever going to use ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are so many memes on the internet now for FT8. It's uh, it's getting old. <laughs> it's just another mode, people. There'll probably be something else that's going to come out that you'll yeah. be interested in. It'll be FT4. It'll be twice as fast as FT8. Yes, right. <laughs> Absolutely, it'll be like three second blips, and you, know, you your machine won't even like do anything. <laughs> anyway, at some point, at some point, it's like these contacts are going to become processor intensive. They'll be so fast. <laughs> Yes. Um, yes. All right. So anyway, you said this one is kind of billified. So Bill's going to do the next story. <laughs> sort of billified just because I just kind of manually typed everything. And it really wasn't uh, cutting and pasting and stuff like that because I was reading the July edition of the QST. And uh, I was thinking of uh, all the controversy and everything else that we've had earlier in the year with the ARRL. Here finally is your chance. If you have been a member of the ARRL for at least the last four years. And uh, happen to live in Central, Hudson, New England, Roanoke, or Northwestern divisions. Uh, and you have 10 friends <laughs> <laughs> that happen to be members of the division that would sign a nomination form for you. And you can now run for director of the division. Uh, just remember, these are unpaid volunteer positions that do require you to travel out of your own pocket to board meetings and, uh, of course, to visit your uh, your many uh uh, you know, 
in your empire, your states and stuff like that, your sections and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so this is now, now a good time for those, uh, those members in, uh, central Hudson, New England, Roanoke and Northwestern divisions to, uh, put up or shut up. <laughs> uh, so I'd like to see the, the, the voting board just full of people's names and stuff like that. Um, I'm in the Northwestern division, by the way, <laughs> but I will not be uh, filling out a nomination form. I'm already too busy. Um, but yeah, yeah. If you're a member and you're, you're a young guy, especially, right. Cause you're supposed to be uh, taking over the world at this point, And, uh, you have so many opinions of how things are run by the, uh, OMs that are in charge of the organization. Uh, this is your opportunity to have a fairly significant impact and remember that you have to be active, visible and represent the interests of the division members. In in some cases, the other ones have not, but Hey, this is your opportunity to actually do that. And, uh, do what you expect them to do. So there. So there. Very good. So <laughs> participate. Spend money out of your own pocket and be a part of something. Absolutely. Or don't. Whatever. <laughs> uh, no. Be a part of something. It's always good when you can uh, give back and when you can make a difference. All right. So moving on from our amateur radio topics, we're going to move into open source topics. And Bill just highlighted the uh, t- the title of this one for me. So that's great. I'll go ahead and read it. <laughs> it's uh Sousa partners with growth investors EQT continue to continue momentum strategy execution and product expansion. Wow. Look at the buzzwords. Buzz, 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 buzz. Yep. Sousa today announced plans to partner with growth investor EQT to continue. Well, okay. We already went through that. The completion of EQT's acquisition of Sousa from Microfocus is subject to Microfocus shareholder and customary regulatory approvals and is expected to occur in early 2019. Richard Brown, I don't know who Richard Brown is, um, said, in, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I was going to put his title there too. I think I messed that up. But anyway, yeah, he's on the, I'll read that real quick while, uh, while you read this thing. Okay. Richard Brown. He's the uh, chairman of the Open Susie. Okay. Chairman of Open Susie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, said in the mailing list that Nils Brockman, CEO of Sousa, personally called him this morning to assure him that this news will have no negative impacts on Open Sousa. This will be the third acquisition of Sousa since the creation of Open Sousa, the second under the leadership of Nils and his team. Just as happened in that case, Sousa will be making no changes in its relationship between the company and the Open Sousa project. Uh, links, of course, to the mailing list article and the uh, story will be in the show notes. So, yeah, the the title was really soft sounding. It, it really should say uh, Susie get, got bought for two point five billion dollars by uh, Equity Fund. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Good for them. So I guess Microsoft won't be buying Susie anytime soon. So look out, Conical. You're on the radar. <laughs> I think they've been on the radio uh, radar for some time, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So Cheryl likes peppermint, so she can talk about the next story or read it at least. Okay. You, you know you're you're like supposed to read and stuff, right? Am I? <laughs> I told you yeah. I'm not geeky enough. So. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No. Again, my computer's dog slow for some reason. Did you boot it up today? Um. Yeah, it like been an on hour ago. For, okay. I didn't know if it had been on for the last. No, month. it's been in the other room since like weeks ago. Whatever. So anyway, the next story. There's there's a problem. Yes. (laughs) So Peppermint 9 has been released. Team Peppermint are pleased to announce uh, Peppermint 9, the latest iteration of our operating system. Based on the 18.04 LTS code base, 
Peppermint 9 still comes in both 64 and 32-bit flavors, so older hardware is still supported. Some of the updates. We've replaced LX uh, Rander with X... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is not a good day. My- LX R&R with XFC display settings. Yeah, my glasses are in the kitchen. <laughs> for monitor settings, as we continue to look for better options that add functionality without adding weight and to continue the migration away from the few remaining LXVE components... By user request, the menu Libre menu editor is now installed by default and no longer breaks the menus as it did in the previous Peppermint version. Well, that's always good. That's always a good plus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Peppermint 9 is now both our normal uh, Mint install software manager and GNOME software for users that want snaps, flat packs, and its usual favorites position. You'll find GNOME software at menu system software. The kernel is now in the 4.15 series. The Nemo file manager is now 3.6.5. We're back at the upstream Ubuntu version of GW, which is the uninstall option. The previous version did not. And Peppermint 9 is now the 18.04 LTS codebase, so it has access to all the latest software. All right. Very so, wow, cool. Wow, it's like... It's like new and improved, and, and yeah, they, they fix things. So Yeah, yeah. Outstanding. Yeah, especially stuff that <laughs> apparently was breaking yeah. a lot, so... I love that. We now included the the version that works. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, yeah that, that's not mentioned there, but that's kind of what it sounds like. So. That's a great business decision. Yeah. <laughs> Always best when you can put out you know products that actually do what they're supposed to. All right, so moving on, uh, I did the first one. Cheryl did the second one. So once again, we'll put Bill on the third one. There we go. We're going to be talking about another release here. The Linux Mint 19 uh, has been released. And it's awesome. Well, at least according to the It's Foss people. Uh, the wait is over for Linux Mint fans. The glorious Linux Mint 19 release is finally here. It is, of course, based on the Ubuntu 18.04 LTS and will be supported until 2023. Updates include the Cinnamon 3.8. It uh, has a sleek new look with uh, retouched icons. has a new welcome screen. Time shift backup tool is now integrated with an update manager. The update manager doesn't show update level by default. A revamped software manager with faster uh, faster search. <clears throat> you can configure the maximum volume volume anywhere between zero and one fifty because you know one hundred is never enough. Ever enough. <laughs> no, That's right. Never. So yeah, so you don't have to use just VLC to crank the volume up. You can just go ahead and use your own little. This, this is for people who there. tell the temperature in Kelvin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, then it should go like down to negative or something. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, also, we got a PDF editor, got improvements with custom thumbnail sizes and recently viewed uh, documents. Uh, file manager has a faster search. Uh, let's see. Mint 19 overall is a faster experience thanks to changes made to improve the application load time. And it has improved high DPI support. And there is no KDE addition. So this must be in a, a feature. <laughs> I think that is a feature. So, what versions do they have? Just Mate, or are they doing anything else? I think they have uh, Cinnamon, Mate, and uh, one more. I can't remember what the third one was. Uh, probably like XFCE Maybe, or something. Yeah, it's probably XFCE. That's what I'm thinking it is. Yeah. So, all right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, mint and peppermint, both brands spanking new. Absolutely. For your, for your minty enjoyment. And, and, I, and I took these two for a spin, so we get to talk about them a little bit more. All right, so I'll uh, go ahead and read this, and then you can flesh it out since you've actually done the uh, the playing with. 
so moving into Linux in the Hamshack, we're going to talk a little bit about the LHS readiness of these two new distributions, Peppermint 9 and Linux Mint 19. Um, and Bill says, although we know that LHS v1 builds on, on Ubuntu, our boss, we figured we'd still go out and test some distros that roll into our desks. Uh, this week, we're looking at these two new releases, Peppermint 9, Linux Mint 19. Not much of a venture away from Ubuntu 18.04, uh, but let's see if we can employ the same tricks to get a shack computer out of these two. And you have done this, I guess, so tell us all about it. <laughs> well, <clears throat> so uh, I'll start with Peppermint 9, because that one uh, ended quite uh, early. Uh, the pros of it, of course, are the fact that it's still running 18.04 LTS, so that's great. The cons, uh, it won't run under VirtualBox, at least uh, at my house. Uh, <laughs> could not get uh, uh, the stupid uh, uh, light DM to actually uh, show me anything uh, meaningful on the screen when it booted. So I couldn't uh, couldn't get it installed to uh, check it out or run the live disk inside of VirtualBox. So uh, I'm going to, at the moment, I'm going to give that a score of 1.0 for, uh, you know, basically just having a heartbeat. Um, and have to try it on something that actually has some real hardware. But the fact that it's not running under VirtualBox, but yet I can run the LTS under VirtualBox tells me they've, they've, they've dorked with something they shouldn't have dorked with. <laughs> That's, that seems clear. Yes. So, and, uh, yeah. here, here's a quick question. Just so people know if they have missed this in the past, what is the readiness scores? They go from one to 10, one to five, one to five, basically okay. oh, one to five, yeah. one to five, one to five yeah, so, with uh, yeah. decimal increments. Gotcha. So 1.0 to 5.0. There have been no 5.0s. Um, there have been a couple of 1.0s, which is basically a distribution has been released. So therefore, it has a one. Um, yeah, it's, it's Linux. It gets one point for being right. Linux. <laughs> so. I'm waiting for the point five to come out somewhere in the world. So. Yeah, no, I won't. I won't do that as long as it's still Linux. You know, maybe a BSD or something like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I even tried the the VGA equals four ninety one fix, which basically just you know tells the uh, console that it's you know ten twenty four by seven sixty eight and sixteen colors. Uh, but that really has no impact uh, as soon as it goes into light DM. So, yeah, so uh, this one's kind of dead on arrival. I was uh, I was kind of looking forward to it because I've, I've used Peppermint in the past uh, as kind of like a toy distribution. Um, it's it's one of those distributions that came out uh, kind of like a, a kind of like a Chrome box or, you know, Chrome Chrome operating system type thing where it wanted to kind of say, well, everything's a web app or everything is consumed on the website. And uh, that's what they kind of geared uh, the uh, the OS and the interaction for was basically running uh, the web services. Uh, and actually, I think that when they were first came out, or at least early on, they had like uh, the ability to add web pages and make them web apps yourself. So you could actually create like a wrapper and an icon, and uh, the app would behave inside of just a shell without like all the back and forward buttons and stuff like that. So it's always been kind of like one of those cool little boutique type distros based on uh on ubuntu so um i will re i'll re will revisit it and we'll take another look at it uh okay so let's look at linux mint 19 so a lot of people use linux mint uh we've heard a lot of people at uh, hamvention talking about their mint installs and stuff like that so i look forward to testing this one out um this one of course has pros too it's the 1804 lts it's got i tried the uh, cinnamon desktop edition the ppas Worked fine. Uh, it was peppy and clean. Um, cons, though. Okay, so here's what we got to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so cinnamon doesn't taste like mint. 
<laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking there's some, uh, there's some, uh, you know, some advertising issue there. Uh, the issue with VirtualBox, uh, does kind of persist. They have a similar issue with the video setup, although I was able to get around it. Um, and actually get it to boot and install. So that was kind of nice. I ran into a, a one big issue though with the meta packages installing the ham radio pure blend stuff. When I went to do an app install ham radio star, it of course resolved the packages or the meta package names. But instead of actually installing the packages, it installed just the dev files for the meta packages. So meaning it actually installed a dev for ham radio dash logging. <laughs> which actually is absolutely nothing. So I'm not even sure how the heck it installed that. And I could never get it to actually resolve any of the meta packages out completely at all. So that crap is broken. I'm not sure what they did to break meta packages in their own repo. But uh, yeah, so this one earned a, a good score of one as well. So both of these packages are pretty much dead on arrival until, uh, well, I think Mint's more broken <laughs> Because <laughs> I haven't been able to get get this far with uh or, or with Peppermint uh nineteen or Peppermint nine, so uh, yeah, Linux Mint nineteen. I would uh, I would hold off uh, unless you're just doing an upgrade, which I'm sure that probably won't break anything. But if you're doing a new install and expecting uh, uh the meta packages to actually install some stuff, uh, it's not going to happen. So I would I would not recommend Linux Mint nineteen at all. Well, that sounds depressing. We've got these two brand new releases based on the LTS 1804 of Ubuntu, and neither of them work. But yeah, you were doing it in VirtualBox in both cases, though. That's correct. In the same same machine and same configuration, I actually built all the LHS V1 builds. Hmm, that's interesting. I, I mean, it's not saying that this wouldn't happen on bare metal as well but the fact that you can't run it in virtual box is uh kind of it's peculiar yeah you know it's really yeah i don't understand why it wouldn't work <laughs> you know it is based on the the same distribution that ours is based on so uh yeah i don't know i, I i'm kind of yeah i'm questioning it <sighs> you're perplexed i'm perplexed i'm kerfuffled excellent all the more reason to use the lhs1 v1 builds well, <laughs> absolutely yeah. yes because those have been confirmed to work yeah and they, they're also based on ubuntu 1804 lts yeah and they're supported by somebody else besides us so don't ask for support only in the chat room we'll, we'll answer your questions there but uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right and uh, since you apparently got tired of not doing anything Linux and the Hamshack related while you were in Europe all that time, you decided to come back and root around in the GitHub dumpster again. Yes. So uh, we'll <laughs> let you uh, talk about your spelunking. Then. Yeah. So basically, I got so discouraged trying to install those two builds that uh, I said, well, screw it. I'm going into GitHub. <laughs> <laughs> so I took a dive into the depths of the micro sub GitSoft or GitHub. You call it whatever you like. <laughs> and uh, I was uh, I always search for amateur radio and I look for the latest things that are going on. And this one popped to the top of the list and it looks like it's sort of uh, very new and not necessarily information is in completely in GitHub except for the web page. But this is a chart and it's the completely hackable amateur radio telescope project. And it is a project hosted by uh, Adam Beard Beardsley from Arizona State University. And the goal of the project is to assemble a portable, affordable amateur radio that high school classrooms can use with ease. 
I'm assuming you meant amateur radio uh, telescope. Uh, this is a real early, uh, <laughs> real early website, but this project is kind of like a, a side project of, uh, of the team there at uh, Arizona State University based upon the very small radio telescope, uh, over on, uh, the, uh, MIT page, which, uh, is more of a, a significant project. But, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting because their, their plan is to have everything open source and using rather cheap hardware, including, the RTS TL dongle that I just bought from uh, from uh, Amazon there. So uh, using that along with uh, a Raspberry Pi 3, and I'm assuming some software that will be popped out. So I'm kind of excited to see what's going to happen with this project. All their stuff says uh, their the you know their initial startup is in July, so that's right now. So it's uh, too early to tell where this is going to go. But uh looks like it's an interesting project. They got uh, several students, uh, undergrads involved and uh, graduate students involved, it looks like, uh, according to their page. I can't be sure because it's not complete yet. <laughs> but they have started and, uh, hey, they caught our eye because uh, we just happened to be looking at the right time. And uh, the second thing I came across was uh, AB4UG Log, which is uh, Eugene's project. Uh, he's in here uh, every once in a while. I don't see him in the list tonight. He's the I'm a bug uh, user when he pops in here. And, uh, he had, uh, he hasn't really done anything. Cause I think we mentioned this the last time I took a dive, but I noticed that he, uh, he had to check in his composer lock file, which was just three days ago. So apparently he knew I was going to look th- this week <laughs> <laughs> and he just wanted another mention. So he must be kind of like cheating the system here. Maybe he's checking that in like every week just to see if it'll pop up on the list. So, uh, so maybe he's telling me something. So I think I'm going to have to go ahead and download this and take a look at it or even talk to him next time I see him in the chat room and say, uh, tell me all about your logger and, uh, we'll take a look at it. And of course, that's, uh, looks like a web based logger based on the uh, Laravel framework, which I believe is a PHP framework with, of course, a bunch of, uh, goody web point three five oh stuff added to it. <laughs> Bill's just making things. Yeah, up so now, I just, so. yeah it doesn't matter. <laughs> Are you still listening, people? <laughs> uh, yeah, Laravel is a PHP web framework, of course, and there is no Web three point five zero or whatever you said. So yeah, okay, whatever. I think it, I think it's still still two point Yes, okay. We're in like someday we might have though, to. Right? So we're when, like, when is Web 2.0 going to start going the way of like Firefox? When is it going to be Web like 37.0? You know, yeah, isn't it like 64 or something? <laughs> or yeah, I don't know. It could be. I have no idea. I, every time <laughs> Firefox starts up, it upgrades. Yeah, it's version, like so. uh, updating all your drivers and stuff. What are? <laughs> it's almost like having uh, Android installed as a web browser. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Ooh, there's some thunder for you. you hear that? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, we had all the birds. Now we have thunder. Too. Now we have thunder. Shut the birds up. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so you get all kinds of sound effects here because I have the garage door open. I am in the garage. I'm not on the deck, but uh, you know, as soon as the gate opens up, everything everything floods into this microphone that's right behind me. <laughs> all right, excellent. So that is basically our topics for tonight. Um, we want to uh, thank everybody who showed up in the chat room, and there's actually quite a bit of discussion going on in the chat room. So we'll probably hang out for a little bit and talk with the folks who are here live with us about that. But we don't want to forget our social media roundup and thank everybody who's come on board while we've been kind of on our short hiatus here, and also mention our. Uh, paid supporters and patreons so we'll let cheryl run down through this uh, rather extensive list extensive actually list. yes yes it is so all right so for this time our patreons are john spriggs steve saner 
Donald Gever, Robert Pitts, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, John Zaruba Jr., Samuel Vimes, Steve Metcalf, Chris Beggio, Darren King. Subscriptions is Steve Hepler, Jeff Zimmerman, Michael Jopling, Steve Nichols, Todd Bowers, Thor Wiegman, Stephen Harp, Charlie Brown, Kevin Murray, Wayne Carpenter, Doug Redder, Bill Pioter, Dylan Engel, Alan Wilson, John Clark, Michael Aelo, Robert Halliday, Brian Smith, Johnny Kinsey, Ronald Ike, Robert Yerke, Michael Conley, and Jeremy Hall. Whew, okay, that's that list. <laughs> Facebook is Stephen Dole, Shane Albrecht, Murad Ahmed, James Felling, Emily Diadine, and Tim Webb. Uh, nobody could, joined. That'd be Emil. He's in the chat room. You oh, might want to get his name right. <laughs> sorry, Emil. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Again, no glasses. I'm trying to zip through this. Nobody on Google Plus. Twitter is. Da- oh, wow. Yeah, let nice thunder. My- yeah, let me turn that down. <laughs> You're going to turn the thunder down? Boy, you've got yeah, to. I'm magical here. <laughs> You're going to have to do the rest. My my computer just went into a uh, update. Uh, an update. Oh, goody. Well, I will run down through the rest then. Uh, for Twitter, we have at Dave3831796, at Richard79789432, at Stransky underscore Lubos, at RJSJR1959. That's probably RJS Jr. 1959. Uh, at Techno uh at KC9HKT, at Paul J. McCabe Mesa, at Tanny Lolly. At Whiskey Echo 4 Bravo, it's actually WE4 Bravo, but, uh, and at VA3 VNA, Victor Alpha 3, Victor November Alpha, and at PS1S underscore 2018, which is actually, um, it's a, an IOTA activation, I think. Let me look at that real quick. What was that? Anybody get Twitter up real quick? Real quick? <laughs> wow, which one are you doing? Uh, the last one at PS1S. Oh, PS1S. I can look that up real quick. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an IOTA activation. Uh, looking. Where did I have? Oh, I put it on this computer. <laughs> PS1S. Underscore. Yeah, it's a DX position. It is a uh, DX position uh, to a Santanin. Oh, God, I can read it. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm like, sure. Uh, it's too far away from my eyes. I can't see. Uh, Santania <laughs> Island. Uh, this is IOTA SA-077. So. so there you go. If you're into IOTA and the expeditions and you want to contact uh, Santania Island, which I have no freaking clue where that is, uh, let's look that up real quick. Santana Island? Is, that what is it, it is? Santana? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> For those that didn't know, we're all blind as a bat. (laughs) And nobody apparently knows how to, you know, increase their font size. Well, yeah, look, it's Santana Island. Sorry, Santana Island. Where is Santana Island? uh, Somewhere in the middle of water. Is it Santana Madeira (laughs) Island or is it Santana Island? Well, now you're asking too much information. PS1S, Santana. There's a Santana Island in Brazil. Okay, let's see. Here's the website for it. Or here's a, here's an article about it. It's Isla de Santana. So this is DX World. We'll be active. Let's see. Blah 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 blah. It's uh, yeah, it's a Brazilian island. Brazilian island. Active uh, active dates. QRV will be July 26th through the 30th. I'm sure they wanted the free shout out. So here you go. You get there it for you free. Go. Yeah. And I'm they, looking at a picture of this island. 
I want to be on this day expedition. Yeah, yeah that's no a kidding. very cool island. <laughs> Ridi, uh, they'll be running Ridi PSK31 FT8 probably in uh, you know day expedition mode. I, uh, I, I know can, I can assure everyone that this day expedition has nothing to do with amateur radio. <laughs> <laughs> Just chilling on the beach, getting some margaritas. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, so let's move on real quick. Uh, on YouTube, we had Emil Dianin, Te Agamemnon. Uh, Richard Subers, Matt Gregg, and Jeremy Smith, mailing list, Russell Ferris, and HP Garcia, and merch sales, we had Arthur Jones. Woo-hoo. So there, we finally got through the list. Long list it was. All right. Did your computer come back up? Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All Wait, right. Well, is it running Linux? No, it's no, running it's Windows. Windows. We can't get Linux to run on my computer. Well, that's why we're having problems, because it's Windows. You know that. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you put the yeah. LHS version one build on there yet? <laughs> oh, and by the way, we, we've been saying diadine and it's diadine. Diadine. Emil diadine. 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 So, so we all, we all screwed it up. Nay. Okay. Somebody, somebody alert Gary. Yeah. Deo. Okay. Deo. Dene. He can remind us next time. One go home. Oh my lord! I haven't even been just a meal. I'm sure he doesn't say his last name on the show very much. Right? Like what? Yeah. What did you say? Is that a diode? (laughs) (laughs) You know, here's the deal. We have, we have a person that was born and raised in Southwest Missouri. We have a person that was born in New Hampshire that is now relocated to Southwest Missouri and works in Arkansas. And we have a person that was born and raised in Florida that has now moved to Montana. Yeah, so we're not real good on that whole thing. Yeah, and I'm suffering from altitude thing. sickness, so, you know, can't count Great. anything oh, yeah. I say, right? <laughs> All right. Well, he's uh, that he's from Louisiana, or at least he lives in Louisiana, and that sounds like a rather Acadian French name. So yeah. he's probably got some uh, good Cajun food up his sleeve. Yeah. We should put him in touch with Hutch. Yeah, maybe so. I'll leave you one quick story before we uh, cut out of here. All right. Just because we mentioned Montana. Um, I had the weirdest request two days ago from my uh, son's friends. They wanted to borrow our snowshoes. So this is (laughs) June 30th (laughs) in Montana. uh, And they went hiking up to uh, Arrow Lake for some stupid Reddit thing that (laughs) that was going on of some mysterious thing that might be there or whatever. Anyway, it was uh, apparently a five-mile treacherous hike where there was at least three foot of snow everywhere. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he said it was the worst hike he's ever done. And they, of course, camped overnight there. And uh, if you go into the r slash Montana subreddit, you'll mm-hmm. uh, you'll find, see a picture of uh, Arrow Lake. And if you look real closely, you'll see a, a orange pair of uh, snowshoes and a silver pair of snowshoes. And those are mine. <laughs> <laughs> in the picture it's a beautiful picture of the lake and uh yeah it's just snow covered uh as all heck up there so nice. and they're calling for more snow as well i just uh just heard we're getting more snow up on the mountain so yeah there was actually we were watching the news the other night where i want to say it was in like halifax or something um i guess school goes in, or went until like july 1st or something um but they were in the middle of a blizzard the other day as the school buses were trying to get kids home Nice. from school and i was like um 
okay, yet we're in a severe drought here <laughs> and melting. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been fun. So, All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, for visiting with us in the chat room and uh, talking with us live. And we will be coming to you uh, for the weekender here on Thursday. We haven't done a weekender in a month either. So that'll be fun. So tune in for that. And until then, we will say goodbye for now. So thanks once again for listening to episode number 233 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out. Linux in the Ham Shack and the Linux in the Ham Shack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribute Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.